Welcome to church, 5 p.m. How you feeling? Feeling good? I'm so thankful to be here, believing that God has a word for you. Um, hey, if you, if you come to church more than one time, can you put your hands together for the first time? Visitors here at the Minneapolis campus, come on. We always want to celebrate people that are coming in for the first or second time. We absolutely hope that you feel like this is a place where, that you can have family. And for me, when I come home, man, I can be myself. I don't have to put on a show. I can just relax. My problems, my good days, my, my bad days, I get to go home and just be me. And we really feel like that's how people can feel at church. And so when we say welcome home, that's what we say. You can bring your problems. You can bring your good weeks. You can bring your bad weeks. And we enjoyed worship up here. I know I did. It was incredible. But I just want to remind people that this church and this campus isn't built off the talent of a few. We have some very talented people. Taylor Erickson hit that note. And I think heaven just, heaven just split open just for a moment. But this church is not just built off of the talent of a, of a few, but it's built from the sacrifice of many. So can we put our hands together for the volunteers that are here from 6 a.m. all throughout all four services that are giving, that are ushering, that are parking, that are setting up and tearing down. We wouldn't be able to reach the city without you. And uh, my name is Ben. I'm the campus pastor here at the Minneapolis campus. This is my wife up here, Emma, crushing it on the front row. Um, and we're in a series right now called Kingdom Culture, and it's a 10-week series in the summer, and we're talking all about what it looks like to be more like Jesus, really. It's talking about being a disciple, and for me, what that looks like is being more and more like Jesus, that I might take a few steps back, but I want to continue to follow Jesus and become a disciple. And not only am I called to be a disciple, but when I become more like Jesus, hopefully the people around me start seeing something different about my life and I'm able to encourage, I'm able to edify, I'm able to uplift other people to see them take those steps of what discipleship really looks like. And a few weeks ago, we talked about what it looks like to have a servant's heart. And we had a few people come up here and speak and it was incredible. And last week, Pastor Rob, our lead pastor, we have nine locations in the metro area and our lead pastor uh, speaks through a video message uh, many of the weeks and he talked about justice and he talked about giving and what it looks like to be a disciple, and today um, I'm excited because we're going to talk about the Word of God. We're going to talk about the Bible, and there's no greater way to talk about the Word of God than to read the Word of God. So if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3. I'm excited for the 5 p.m. service because you guys give me some feedback, which, which I'm excited. 9 a.m., you know, people are just kind of waking up. It's always kind of light, to be honest. I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting a rowdy crowd. 10.15, it's like usually pretty alive. We've got a lot of college students. Maybe they're gone the summer break. 10.15 was, was sleeping this morning, I'll be honest. 11.30 brought it. But I'm just thankful that we got Joey up here. I'm thankful we got Carl and Bjorn. I'm thankful Rachel's here. I'm thankful that Tyler's here because I, I think people are going to be shouting me down. I think people are going to get excited. I believe that somebody is going to walk away completely changed and completely different in this place. 5 p.m. is going to be a different service. Philippians 3, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. Whatever were gains, what were gains? And this is Paul talking. And then a few verses before this, I'm not going to read it, but it's talking about basically Paul's status, his pedigree. And to the world's eyes, many people would be jealous or many people would strive to be in the positions that Paul has been. He was a very powerful man, but he says, but whatever regains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage 
Paul keeping it real. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. And then I'm just going to read a few verses down in verse 12. It says, now that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And the title of my message tonight is Better at 70. Better at 70. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. And this right now is not just a speech that I've prepared, but we believe that this is a message, Lord, that you have a word for somebody, that somebody may have come in with anxiety and fear. And maybe it was the worst week of their life. And maybe they're walking in confusion right now. They're walking with lack of clarity. I don't know what it may be in their journey, but I believe that they can leave completely different. And so I just pray, Lord, you speak through me. It's not the persuasiveness of my speech, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we enter in this place with no agenda. And we simply just say, move God, speak God, say what you want to say. So we give you the service in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Hey, turn to your neighbor, maybe slap him a little bit and say, hey, you ready for the word? You ready for the word? <laughs> then turn to your other neighbor, the one you neglected and say, hey, you ready for the word about the word? You ready for the word about the word? Come on. Hey, there's certain words. There's certain words that make me cringe a little bit. Is there any words out there that just kind of like make you cringe? I had a few people over at the house the other day and we're talking about different words that kind of make you cringe. Does, how about moist? How's that make you feel? <laughs> moist doesn't make me feel very good. Phlegm. Phlegm is a weird word. I like saying it, but it's weird to hear. Phlegm. Mucus. Mucus isn't a cool word. How about, uh, you want um, some orange juice? You want no, no pulp? Pulp. It's a weird word. Pulp. There's some weird words out there that I don't really like. Makes me cringe. There's also some weird phrases or things that I probably have said to you, actually. There's some phrases that I don't like, and I, say, I find myself saying it. I'm like, why did I say that? I don't like that. One of them is, you're a legend. Has anyone heard? You're a legend. You're a legend. It's like, yeah, you call like the last seven weeks you said I'm a legend. Do you, like, do you even know my name? Like, um, fearless leader. Someone's like, Ben, you're our fearless leader. I'm like, well, that's a lot of pressure. You know, <laughs> like there's only one way to go and it's going down from there. Like whatever happened to Ben, I don't know. But at one time he was our fearless leader, you know, <laughs> living my best life. This is the one I've never, I've never liked living my best life. Put, put on Instagram. It was more 2018 maybe. Um, but people are still using it. Living my best life. It's like, you see your best friend post a picture, living my best life. And it's like, oh, well, I haven't like talked to you in like a few months. Like apparently you're living your best life without me. That's cool. There's certain phrases that I don't really like and different words I don't really like. Then there's certain words that I do like. And one word for some reason that I love is viral. The word viral, I don't know. It's just like, it's powerful. Viral, that thing went viral. I love the word viral and I love watching people and I love watching different things go viral. Because really what viral means to me is it completely disrupts. Like it disrupts our day, it disrupts our week. It disrupts our life, really. And something that's gone viral in 2019 and, and kind of started in 2018 is a personality test 
called Enneagram. Does anyone know what an Enneagram is or the Enneagram test? And there's nine different types, and I'll just read them off. It says, uh, number one is the perfectionist. That's my wife. Number two is helper, achiever, individualist, investigator, loyalist, enthusiast. Eight is the challenger. Nine, which is myself, is a peacemaker. Just trying to keep the peace, people. Peacemaker. And, and people are posting about it. Like, I don't think I've gone a day that I've been on Instagram, and I haven't seen somebody repost or post about the Enneagram. And if you don't have Instagram, you don't have social media, I promise you, if you haven't heard it yet, I promise you there'll be a day this year where someone's going to ask you, what's your type? What's your type? And you're like, what are you talking about? And you're saying, Enneagram, don't you know about Enneagram? Like, it's, it's going viral. It's disrupting people's lives. It's, it's starting to now be people's explanation for things. It's like, why are you so stressed? And Well, I'm a helper. And I'm trying to help people. Like, if I don't help people, like, do you expect other people to help people? Like, I'm stressed because I'm always helping people, you know? It's like, why are you a jerk? Well, I'm a challenger. I like to challenge people. It's like, no, you're actually just mean. That's just, that's just, you're just actually a mean person. You shouldn't do that, you know? It's like, um, why are you late all the time? It's like, well, I'm a seven, you know? It's like, I'm trying to be the life of the party. You can't expect me to be the life of the party for for multiple parties. If I'm here at this party, like I have to maybe be late to the next party. Like it's starting to be people's explanation of things. But also I I believe there's, there's times where it was somebody's introduction. I might've heard them wrong, but I'm pretty sure I was hanging out with a group of people and someone just kind of chimed in was like, yeah, I'm a three. And I was like, I'm Ben. Nice to meet you. Like it's starting to be people's explanation and people's introduction. It's disrupting the world. And there's something that happened this week that disrupted the week, disrupted the world, and it's something called Face App. Face App. And if you have Instagram, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, I'm sure you saw pictures. And what it is, you put a picture in. You could take it right away, or you could find an old picture. And it shows you what you're going to look like when you're older. And I got a picture up here of me and my wife. You can see. (sighs) Come on now. This is kind of a joke, but I can't wait for the day that I have a gray beard. It's going to be great. Somehow I look 75 and Emma looks like 40. So I'm doing good. It's, it disrupted our, our week. Like Tuesday, this is Tuesday. Like it just kind of like disrupted work. Like me and some of my closest friends were sitting on the couch and for literally hours, we just, it was revolved around this app. And we're talking about it. We're putting all our, our best friends, like different friends, like look, look, how this guy, look how he looks and she looks. And it's like, it disrupted our day. It went viral. But the funny thing about the face app and the funny thing about Enneagram is it's been around for a while. Like face app was invented two or three years ago. And so rarely does something go viral like the next day. It's like, oh, it was invented. And then the next day, everyone's like involved in it. Sometimes it takes a while. And it's crazy to think that we've had access to this. But for some reason, again, it fascinates me. The word viral fascinates me. For some reason, it was this Tuesday that everybody was posting about it. The Enneagram, people were talking about it all the time. Do you know when that was invented? 1950. It's been around for the last 70 years, but yet for some reason, 2018, 2019 is is when people are really thinking about it. We've always had access. And my prayer for today, and my prayer for this city, and my prayer for you, 
is something that we've always had access to, the word of God, starts disrupting people's lives. It starts disrupting the culture that we're walking in. It starts disrupting our day that instead of going to our nine to five or going through the motions or going through the routine of day, we listen to the word of God. We hear the word of God. We say, okay, I wanna love God and I wanna love people and I'm late to this meeting, not because I'm an enthusiast and I'm like, just have lack of self-control. No, it's because I reached somebody on the street. I prayed for somebody on the street. I hope, can you imagine Imagine if we allow this thing that we have had access to our entire lives. Can you imagine if there's a group of believers, if there's a group of people that just simply pick it up, that simply just read it and believe that God is going to do exceedingly abundantly more than they ask or they think. Can you imagine what would happen in this city? Like we pray for revival and that's like a word we use in church. Revival. I can't like revival's coming. It's like, yeah, only way the revival is coming if, is if the re- revival comes first in your life. Sometimes I'm praying for a revival in the city and God says, well, is it starting in you first? Because the more you eat, the more you consume of the word of God in the spiritual realm, it's a reversal. When you eat in the physical realm, you're satisfied. I just had dinner. I'm good. I feel good. I'm satisfied. In the spiritual realm, the more you consume of the word of God, the more you eat, the more hunger you become. In the time where you thought, man, I'm living in hopelessness, you start reading the word of God on Monday, something comes alive in you because that's what the word of God is. It's alive and it's active. Then you say, I'm Tuesday. I can't wait for my time with Jesus because Tuesday I want to read it and something happens in you and a revival takes place in your heart. Then you walk in to your workplace. You walk into your family and somebody sees something different about you. Can you imagine if we just pick this up, the word of God, people stop looking for a solution and they started looking for what was already spoken. Instead of looking for a job change or a relationship tra- change or that boyfriend they've always wanted or that girlfriend they always wanted. They want a change in season. Imagine if they stopped looking at the change in season. They just trusted God with it and say, I want to look at what never changes and the one thing that can change my life, the word of God. I'm going to pick this up every single day, even if I don't feel like it, even if I had a bad morning, whatever it is, because this is alive and active and can change the culture that we're living in. It's not just another season. God's doing something special. God's doing something supernatural in your life. We've always had access to it. And it says actually that 49% of Americans pick up a Bible once a year, which I don't know what you think about that. I thought that was higher than than I would imagine that 49% of the people that live in America pick up a Bible a year. But you can look at the statistics this way. It's fascinating. It says adults who use the Bible daily account for 14% followed by 13% who use it several times a week, 8% who do it once a week, 6% about once a month, and 8% who do it three or four times a year. Man, can you imagine if more people just picked up their Bible? And even if they didn't understand it all, even if it sounded intimidating, they just, I believe this can change my life. What would happen in this city? What would happen to the people around you? And I'm thankful to be a part of, church, uh, part of a church and a, um, led by a pastor who challenges me to read God's word. Whenever I'm meeting with him, whenever I'm talking with him, he's saying, this is the most important thing. Like a question I ask myself is, are you a worker or are you a worshiper? And oftentimes I find myself working. I find myself striving and God's saying, all all I need you to do is just worship me. And I allow work to flow through your worship and I'll do greater than you could ever do on your own. And we have this thing called SOAP. It's scripture, observation, application, and prayer. 
And it's just, if you're intimidated to start reading the Bible, this is one of the best ways just to do it as a church. Like, can you imagine if, if on Sunday you came to church, not just to be fed into, like that will always happen, but you came to church to give a word of encouragement to somebody. You say Monday through Saturday, I've been in the word. Monday through Saturday, like I've been reading soap and, and you can encourage people, but also you can talk to other people about it. Like, man, like, what'd you think about this week? You know, what'd you think about that chapter on Wednesday? And it's like, it's a beautiful thing. That's when the church can be, be the church. And so for the next uh, 15 minutes, I want to talk to you about the word of God and, and more so from the standpoint of what I've experienced. I'm not, I don't want to come up here as an expert or try to be an expert. I'm still trying to figure it all out. There's still passages of scripture that I have no idea what I'm reading. There's sometimes people come up to me and they're like, okay, Pastor Ben, like uh, it says this in Leviticus, like what, what does that mean? And I'm like, I just like to listen, you know, sometimes in life it's okay to just say, I don't know. Like, I don't know what that means, you know? And so for me, I'm, I'm speaking from a place of, I've watched this happen in my life as I've taken steps of faith and just have read the Bible and I try to be consistent with it. I'm still trying to find the best routine, what, what it looks like in my life. And I believe if we're just continuing to focus in on Jesus, he'll show you your life, your routine, what, what, what he's calling you to do. And for me, uh, the Bible is this, it's several things. The first thing I want to talk about is the Bible is a filter. The Bible is a filter. This is a question. How do you view the world? How do you view each day? And it, uh, there's a quote that says this in the book. It says, disciples have a very different response to God's word. They see the truth of the Bible as God's sovereign and perfect message to them, even when it makes them uncomfortable. Right? It's not just a good read, but it's the perfect message. And so sometimes you're going to feel a certain way, but you have to cling to what God says. Like, I think I should do that. Okay, that's great that you think you should do that. Let's, let's see what God says about it. Let's see what God says about the, the season that you're in. And the reality is your view will eventually become your values. What you view in life, right? I grew up in a certain hometown and I grew up viewing different people. And I grew up in the family that I was in and I was able to see my family and I got to see the, the values of my family and my view will eventually become my values. And there's actually a scientific term, it's called reticular activating system. And I know that's a, a long term, you can just look up RAS when you get home. And it's a, it's a scientific term that simply means this, it means a gateway, a doorway. It's a doorway in your mind. And you can literally train your mind. This is powerful. Our minds are so powerful. You can train your mind to see the things you value. But also you can train your mind to miss the things you don't. And so often in my life, I've overlooked things that in Scripture God's saying this is the most important. That I've valued things of this world that eventually will fade away. For honestly, two much of my time here on earth, I, I valued things that will eventually fade away. And throughout scripture, it's saying, no, you need to value the things that will never fade away. Your view will eventually become your values. And I think about oftentimes, I wake up in the morning and I think, you know, it's going to be a good day. I want to wake up and, and get into God's word and it's going to allow me to view people differently. It's going to allow like really to view the situations because there's seasons where you're walking through different things. Like I, I walked through a season where I've walked through anxiety and sometimes it doesn't make sense. And it's like, okay, like I know I'm going to be hit by that at some certain time, but I wanna, I'm going to view my day by the word of God. But the reality of it is I wake up, I get dressed 
and the first thing I click is Instagram. See, the, the world is always going to be coming at us. Our flesh is always going to be coming at us. The enemy has one thing on his mind, to slaughter and destroy. He's going to be coming at us. It's just, are you getting the word in first? Are you getting the word in before the world gets to you? And you have a decision every single day. You have a decision to look at your life, to look at your day through the lens of the word or through the lens of the world. And I have glasses right here to prove it, but so often I wake up and I go, I'm gonna you know, give God my best today. I'm gonna give him my first and give him my best. And I wake up and I put these glasses on. And what these glasses say is anxiety, depression, Instagram, relationships, marriage, pride, lust, anger. I ran out of room. I could have wrote a lot of different things. A lot of times I put these glasses on. And this is how I view the day. And so I go throughout the day and I go, man, why am I comparing myself with other people? It's like, well, maybe because you clicked on Instagram the first thing in the morning. And so now you're walking into a season where you keep comparing yourself to other people. It's like, why am I finding myself striving, trying to prove myself? Well, maybe it's like you're, you're struggling with some insecurities and you're trying to like press in and trying to like prove somebody, like something to somebody else. And if you just listen to God's word, so often I live my life like this through the lens of what the world says through the lens of what the enemy is reminding me of. So often I live this way. And I just want to be able to take these glasses off and be able to pick up the word of God, which is my filter, and I'm able to view my life in a completely different way. And I think when we allow the word of God to be our filter, it changes our view of ourselves. Changes the view, not only of our calling, like the career God's called you in, and that's so important, but oftentimes we talk too much about that. And not, not, not enough about like the call in your life to be who God has called you to be. Not your position. Your position can be taken away like that. Not your title. Your title can be taken away like that. Like who has God called you to be? All the insecurities, all the like quirks, like all the things that you wish were different. Like who has God called you to be? Like God can't bless a counterfeit version of yourself. And so often we're like, God bless me, bless the season. He's like, well, first you got to just be yourself. Like, be who God's called you to be. Don't be your best friend or don't, like, try to take that person's humor or whatever. It's like we can learn from people, but so often we try to steal from people. Like, and for me in my life, I'm not speaking from a place of, like, expertise. I'm speaking from a place, like, I'm trying to figure this out. Better at 70. Like, I've failed and I'm trying to get better every single day. Every single day I'm trying to grow and get better at this, but I find myself in this season of just, just looking at myself and wishing I was somebody else. But it's like God put different talents and abilities and giftings in my life and struggles in my life, and he's placed the people around me so that I can be used by him to reach those people. But many times when we try to be somebody else, we're missing the opportunity to reach those people in front of us. And honestly, I think it's like a diss to God. Like he created us. And it says this in, in Ephesians 2.10, God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has already gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing, right? Before we go to work, what we do, what we spend so much of our time thinking about, we need to know who we are. We need to know who we are. And we're able to know who we are when we simply pick up the Bible, and we're able to see all the, throughout scriptures, you are a son, you are a daughter, you are enough. And man, you're going through a bad time. It's like, yes, I'm able to believe the word of God in my life. But also we're able to like 
allow the Bible to change us because the Bible has authority. The Bible has authority. And what authority means is this. It means weighted words. Like you ever, you ever have somebody say something to you and it like really kind of hurts or it sits heavy, whether it's encouragement or whether it's like someone's trying to like speak negatively towards you. It's like it weighs on your heart. That's what authority means to me. That God's word needs to have the most weight. That God's word needs to have the most weight above your feelings, above what other people are saying, above what the world is saying, but more importantly, like, like the, the word of God needs to have more weight than your feelings, because oftentimes you're not feeling it. And all throughout scripture, you'll read it, that we cannot trust our feeling. In Proverbs 3, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings. Do not lean on your own understandings. And in the midst of chaos and in the midst of a dark season, like you may not be feeling it. You may not be feeling like I'm enough. Like you may be walking into season and you feel like you're in over your head. Like I can't do this. But God's saying, I'm calling you to this. I'm calling you to choose not your feelings. I'm calling you to choose faith in this moment. I'm calling you to choose to be faithful. If I brought you to it, I'll bring you through it. You just gotta be faithful. You just gotta choose faith over your feelings. You gotta choose joy over your feelings. You gotta choose God's word over your feelings, that you are enough, come on, that you are enough. The word of God changes your view of you, but also it changes the view of others. It radically changes the, the view of others. And all throughout scripture, if you read it, it says, love God, love people. Like so many scriptures, you know, if you sum it up, it's all about God's love and, and us loving him and it's all about people. And in my flesh, there's often times where I look at relationships as a transaction. Or many times in my life, I look at a relationship with an agenda, right? But I believe that with love, there's no agenda attached, man. Like imagine what would happen if we walked up to people in this city and we're not trying to give to them so they can get, like, so we can get in return, but we're trying to take care of those people that could never take care of us. Like we're trying to truly love, truly have a servant's heart and love people. And this only happens when we dive into scripture. Like this is how Jesus lived his life. Not only that, but when we dive in, it changes our view of our circle in the way that it's not the foundation. That it's love God, love people. The problem is, is when the priority is people. And often, oftentimes for me, and I know for some of you that we've walked and it's like we've made people the foundation of our lives. But it says in Matthew seven that like people are just an addition. Like the foundation's only found on one person and it's Jesus Christ. And I wanna live a life where I get in the word of God when I sometimes am confused, sometimes I don't know where God's taking me and I'm constantly reminded through the filter of the word of God, no, this is how you need to get your priorities. Yes, you need to love people, but it's always love me first. And then you have the capacity to truly love people. It's a filter. The word of God is a filter for your life. It changes the way you view yourself. It changes the way you view others. And it has authority. Authority over your feelings, but also authority over what people say. Right? If, if others' words weigh more in your life, there's only one option, and it's pride. And it will either manifest in arrogance or insecurity. If other people's words, if, if your goal in life is to get affirmed by man instead of being affirmed by God, the only option is pride. You'll either be arrogant when people are talking good about you or then you'll be walking in insecurity when people aren't. And God's saying, I want the word of God, what I've already spoken to weigh the heaviest. 
And when that happens, I believe he does something new in our hearts. He's able to renew us. He is living and active. He's able to renew us. Not only that, but he's able to inspire us later. So often I've stepped out into a season based on what other people thought of me and based upon what I thought other people were wanting. And then I got to that season and I couldn't sustain what God was calling me because he wasn't calling me there. But if we step out because the word of God is speaking, because he's telling us to do that, and then we get in this season where it's difficult and it's hard, and you go, man, I shouldn't have moved to Minnesota. Like, I shouldn't have stepped up in ministry. And in those moments, that's just for me. I'm sure you have different stories. But in those moments, you can be inspired because I'm like, no. Again, if he brought me to it, he'll bring me through it. It's like I'm not living my life based on what other people think or what other people say. They can affirm me, and they can continue to edify and encourage, and that's our call. But most importantly, I'm going to step out because Jesus said it. And we're able to be sustained. We're able to be inspired in those moments. It's a filter for our lives, but not only that, but it's our fight. So your filter is how you see, but there has to be action past seeing. We have to do something about it. So I believe filter can turn into your fight. And our call is to get in the word, because when we get in the word, we're able to fight for our, our call. But listen, the enemy's trying to destroy you. The enemy's trying to destroy you, but the fact is he can't destroy you. But many times he can distract you. He's throwing everything at you. And I got, a, I got another prop here. I got a nice little boxing glove. Just got a bag this week trying to get in shape, trying to look like Caleb Cruz, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so often... We live life and things are coming our way. Again, like I said, the world's coming to you. The enemy's trying to attack. He's trying to distract you, whatever it may be. And, and many times in my spiritual walk, I spend my whole time just like trying to dodge anxiety. Like, oh, anxiety's coming, gotta dodge anxiety. Like, oh, depression, gotta dodge. And I spend my whole life in defense. And I don't like living in defense. Like the, the whole time, like, the world's coming, flesh is coming, and I'm playing defense. But the beautiful thing is, is when you see the world and you see who God's created you to be through the lens of the word of God, it leads to this fight. And you're saying, no longer, like, what am I doing? I don't have to spend time playing defense. God has given me the word of God, and it doesn't matter what's coming at me. I got the word of God that I can start making some punches. And yeah, it's coming this way, but I can play offense, and I can be able to attack the thing that has been attacking me. I can now begin to torment the thing that's been tormenting me through the word of God, through the power of the resurrection king that we celebrate every single day. And so often I spend my time like playing defense and God's like, you need to start playing offense. You need to start throwing some punches. And when I feel anxiety, man, I, sometimes I just think about it and God's like, speak to it. Speak to it. Speak the word of God to it. I'm facing depression. I'm going through like family issues and it's like, speak to it. We have the ability to attack the thing that's been attacking us. Such a beautiful thing. The, the word of God is a filter. The word of God is a fight, not only for your life and your call. Like we all have one purpose. We talk about potential all the time. And it's great to fulfill your potential and to maximize your potential. But it's not about your potential. It's about your purpose. Are you living your purpose? Man, I want to get at the end of my day. And maybe I had some potential left. But God said, you lived your purpose. I called you to that season and you walked in it. Even if you felt afraid. Like it's not about potential. It's about fulfilling the purpose. And in the midst of fulfilling our purpose, we've got to start throwing some punches. Because that's what the enemy wants more than anything is to derail our purpose. 
fight for our, our call, but we also get to fight for other people. And I'm going to close with this story. We get to fight for other people. And more than, more than anything, that's the call in our lives. We read the word of God. It's our filter. We get, begin to see people differently. But we can't just see people differently. Like I see people differently. But is, am, I, am I taking actions towards them? Am I truly loving them? I want to fight for the call in my life, but I also want to fight for the circle around me the sphere of, sphere of influence that God has placed in my life, whether it's in work or whether it's in my family, whatever it is within this city. And there's a story that happened about a year ago and I was walking to church and for me, I try my hardest to fight against the routine of church. And you, you may feel that in your workplace, like it's just another day. It's just another day. I mean, I, I try my best to throw away the expectations and just step into faith and say, I believe God, you're going to move. I don't know how you're going to. And it was 6 a.m., 6 a.m. and I walked in and I, I was coming in with a few buddies and I saw somebody kind of walking towards me. I didn't recognize him. So I just said, hey, you guys start setting up. I'm going to talk to this person. Started walking to this, this person and um, I started seeing that he was looking pretty rough. And I walked closer to him and he had blood all over his face. He looked confused. He just woke up. His shirt was ripped in half. I began to talk to him. To be honest, in that moment, the temptation was work has to be done. But the greatest work that we can do in this life as Christians is to love our neighbors, is to love the people in front of us. Reach people in our way when, when we're on our way. And I began to talk to him. I mean, what happened? Like, what's going on? He's like, I don't know. I just remember I was going to a club. And I'm from North Dakota. We came here to celebrate my birthday. And last thing I remember, we, was in, we were in an Uber going to another club. And that's the last thing I remember. And I just woke up next to a dumpster a few blocks away, don't have my phone, don't have my wallet. And I begin to talk to him, I begin to encourage him. And I said, hey, I'll, I'll get you an Uber. Like, are you staying at a hotel? Like, what can we do? Like, you can stay for church. You know, he's like, I gotta I got, I got head back to North Dakota. Like, I said, okay, like, like I'll, I'll get you an Uber. I'll take you to your hotel. You know, and I began to talk to him. And in the midst of that, God just placed in my heart, like you need to talk to him about Jesus. And you know, who knows, even in that situation, you're like, ah, I don't know, God, like, I don't wanna be that Christian that's like pretty like straightforward, you know? I'm, I'm like, like there's a difference between investing in somebody. That's when you see that person over and over again. You see the same person at a grocery store. I think as Christians, just invest in them. Get to know their name. My, my prayer in the city is that people like don't even know I'm a pastor until a year. It's a year of me just encouraging them, investing in them. But then there's moments where it's like, you got to go all in. There's moments where it's like his life could be forever changed. And so I started talking to him about Jesus. I said, have you given your life to Jesus? And he said, well, I go to church and I grew up, you know, about once a month we went to church and I kind of cut down that, that statement. I said, that's awesome, man. But do you know Jesus? Like, do you think you could pray right now and you could talk to Jesus? Because that's what the word of God is. It's all about one person. It's all about Jesus from the Old Testament to the new. Like, it's all about the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I started talking to him. And he said, I, I don't know if I, I know Jesus as my savior. And I said, hey, I'm not trying to talk you into it because if I can talk you into it, somebody else can talk, talk you out of it later. So I said, you have to make the decision, but I would love just to pray for you. Like, do you want to give your life to Jesus right now? You want to surrender to him? I said, this didn't just happen on coincidence. Like there, it's not just by chance that you came walking to a church service. Like, like you didn't even know you're walking into a church service. 
I began to talk to him and he's like, yes, I, I love to give my, my life to Jesus. And so I prayed over him and he gave his life to Jesus. And I probably will never see that person ever again. And I pray that I see him one day in heaven. I believe that I'll see him one day in heaven. I truly do. And this story as we close, isn't a story to pat myself on the back. This story it really is to let you know that that's rare. In Minnesota, that's rare for somebody to come up looking like that, looking that rough, you know? But the reality is this, that so often we live for the physical world. We live for the things, the jobs, the income, the statuses, how we're feeling. And oftentimes those things are gonna fade away. And oftentimes I spend my time spending time on things that will, will not last. But there's a spiritual realm that's happening. The things that will last forever, that we're on this earth for 20, 30, 40, 70 years, whatever God has placed on your life. And we're on this earth for just a short period of time. And just like the WhatsApp, better at 70, it's gonna be like that. And I'm gonna be 70 years old. And I pray that I walked my purpose. I pray that I saw people and I got on their level. That there's a physical world that is fading away, but there's a spiritual world. And the reality is, is there's people in this city that physically look good, but spiritually are like that man that walked up. They're spiritually confused, not knowing what's next for their life. They're spiritually malnourished. They're saying, I haven't picked up the word of God for the last five years. They're spiritually dying. And they're saying, and they're screaming for help. And us as the church of Jesus Christ, our call above anything else is to go and to read the word of God, to let that be a filter. But more importantly, let that be the fight for other people be able to fight for the people that, that can't fight for themselves saying I'm gonna get on your level saying I know no one's encouraged you for the last 10 years but I want to sit here and just spend my time encouraging you and loving on you no expectations just loving people that's the call of this campus that's the call of this church church isn't just hanging out with the same group of people church isn't just posting pictures with the same group of people the church as we read in the Bible is stepping out our circle loving the people that don't look like us loving people that don't have the same background as us and saying, I don't know who you are. I'm kind of confused by your lifestyle, but I'm just gonna love you. And we're gonna close out this message with everybody.